God, we thank you for a beautiful morning that you've blessed us with to be able to come into your house so freely. God, I thank you for the freedom to be able to come to your house and to worship you wherever I want. God, I pray that you be with these souls that are open here on the altar, Lord. God, pour your spirit into them like they cannot walk out of this building not changed. God, I pray that you move in our hearts and our spirits today, that we see you moving in ways that we just never dreamed of. Answers to healings, answers to lost loved ones. God, we know that you have a plan, that you're making those valleys rise up and you're making those mountains to come to a straight path, Lord, that we can walk without any hindrance or hurdles, that we know you have already made that path straight that you are ahead of us and behind us and beside us, that you never leave us or forsake us. God, thank you for being the daddy that we need, for wrapping your arms around us in those times where there seems no way. We know you have a way. You have a plan. Your plans are to prosper us, not to destroy us. That you turn the enemy's plans around for good, not today, Satan, not today. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that you help our eyes to be open to what you need us to see today in the service. Help our ears to be open and our hearts to be sensitive to your move. God, move in ways that we just can't say anything, but it's you. We thank you and trust you for all that you have and all that you will do. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I just want to spend a few moments today, and I'm going to be in two passages of Scripture. I'm going to be in Psalm 38, and then if you want to flip over to Matthew chapter 24. And uh, I'm wrapping up our series entitled, Who is God? This is really just this series that, that tries to um, you know, enlighten us to who God is. Now, it's impossible to know God fully. God is bigger and beyond our wildest imaginations. You can't limit him. You can't put him in a box. You can't fully understand him. Uh, however, the Bible does uh, tell, of, tell us who he is. God revealed himself to, to us as humans. He did it through his word. And so we've been opening up the word. We've been looking at who is this person of God. And just, just to recap real quick, we looked at God's omniscience, that God knows everything, that he knows everything about you. He knows the amount of hairs that you have on your head. He knows, um, he knows the words that you speak before they even come out of your mouth, which I think is incredible. But God knows everything. He knows when a bird from the air falls to the ground, and, and he cares for that. And so we understand that God is all-knowing, that he knows exactly who you are, where you're at. He knows just not who you are on the outside, but he knows your inside. He knows your emotions. He knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. God knows you intimately. Sometimes I think God knows us even better than we know ourselves. That is true. Uh, we also looked at God's, uh, not just his omniscience, but his omnipresence that there is nowhere that we can run where we can escape God's presence. David wrote, uh, if, I, you know, if I rise to the heavens, you are there. If I go down to Sheol or the earth, you are there. If I go to the 
the east or the west, you are there. There is nowhere that we can run without God's spirit, that God is already there. And so when we step into tomorrow, guess what? God is already there. And the next day, God is already there. There is nowhere where you can run where you're not in the presence of Almighty God. And then we looked at his omnipotence, that God is all-powerful, that he is an almighty God. And, uh, and um, that was the sermon where I pulled out all my song lyrics, Connie. <laughs> Connie knows I have lots of song lyrics floating through this brain. Um, what, just this past week we went down memory lane, right? And we listened to 80s songs on YouTube, 80s Christian songs. And we looked at Petra and White Cross and Guardian and Mylon Lefevre. And then I realized that this was way past Connie's time. I should be going to the, I should be going to the Gaithers. <laughs> right? Too low, Connie? Amy Grant. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Connie, Connie's only, what, six years older than me? Right? Not, not, okay, we'll say six. <laughs> She's, we're, in the same, we're in the same demographic. When, when we fill out forms online, we both have to keep scrolling all the way back. So, so I'm just kidding. But, um, but anyway, we looked at God's omnipotence. And I, I, I brought out that sermon because one of those um, song lyrics I learned as a kid that, um, that uh, you know, Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth and the, uh, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. And then it gets to that chorus that I learned as a kid, nothing is too difficult for thee. And that still holds true today, that nothing is too difficult for God. There is nothing in your life, no problem, no dilemma, no mountain that you have to climb, no giant that you have to face, that God is not all-powerful enough to eradicate and take it down and work all things together for his good. He is all-powerful. And so we understood that if God is omniscient and he knows all things, and God is omnipresent, he is everywhere, then he is also omnipotent. He's able to meet um, us at our point of need. He, he not only knows where we're at, he not only knows our problems, but he's powerful enough to meet us. And so those three work in conjunction with each other. And so we looked at all of that. Then we looked at God's um, inner qualities. You know, the facts that God is even beyond some of those at outer characteristics, but God is love. He is the essence of love. There, uh, God is not just love, he's righteous. He can do no wrong. He can never make a wrong turn, a wrong choice. All his ways are perfect because he is loving, he is righteous, he is gracious, he is good. All of those are true. And so today, I just want to take one step further, and I just want to talk a few minutes, um, and I want to talk about really two things, and, and one, because this is where I started out, I wanted to talk about God's immutability. God's immutability. Now, you're like, what on earth is that? This is the idea that God does not change from yesterday to today to forever. That God is the same. He says in his word, I am God and I do not change. Do you know what that means? That means that you and I live in an ever-changing world where everything changes from moment to moment. There is no stability. We live in constant chaos, but there is a, there is a force in the universe, a constant that never changes. It is a true north. It is a focal point for everything else, and that is God himself. 
the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when all of our circumstances are changing and all of our life is changing and it seems like, oh, oh my word, I'm fearful, I'm stressful because I do not know wh uh, what tomorrow holds. That's okay because we know who holds tomorrow. It's the God who doesn't change. It also means that when God offers us promises, that all his promises that were good back then are still good today. Because God does not change. His word does not change. God is immutable. Okay, so that's where I was heading before the Spirit started working in my life a little bit this week. And, and I changed ideas. So that, that sermon right there was free. That's all free. That's all extra credit. Aren't you guys glad you came, right? And, and I, what was, I forget what point that was, that Pastor Ken's sermons are never too long, right? Right? I have that in writing somewhere, so that's a good deal. Uh, but today I want to look at the imminency of God, the imminency of God, or that God is near. He is near to us. And I want to look at God as our soon and coming king. Because I honestly believe that that is true. And oftentimes you and I, from a practical standpoint, we know this to be true from a theological standpoint or from a biblical standpoint. But oftentimes you and I, we, we forget about this, that God is coming again. And oftentimes we don't live our lives or we don't progress this out, that God is near to us. And so today I want to talk about his imminent return. Now, this, uh, what, past week... Uh, our spirits have been heightened to this idea because of the events that are happening in Israel. When Israel was attacked and now they are in retaliation and there is war going on uh, in Israel amongst them and uh, what is it, Hamas and I think Hezbollah too and just, um, just this whole idea of war there. And, and, and we're looking, well, well, now we're, every time something happens with Israel, you and I just seem to perk up a little bit. Okay, what's going on? Right? Because we understand the, the, the historical significance of Israel and God's kingdom. And so we're always like, well, what does that mean according to God's plan? Is God coming back? How does this fit into eschatology or end times? How, how are we working this? And so I want you to know that the events that are unfolding on the other side of the world, uh, they did not catch God by surprise. All right. Uh, God knows exactly what is happening. Um, what is happening on the other side of the world is nothing new. This has been going on for hundreds into thousands of years. And, uh, and so today I picked a passage of scripture that directly applies to Israel's history, but it also is very telling of the present. And it's done in such a way that it's a prayer unto God, and it helps lead us into know how that we can pray for Israel. And so that's where I'm going to start out before I branch into some other things. But let's look at Psalm 38. Uh, the Psalms is a collection of books. It's just not all one author. It's just a collection of Israel's history. Roughly half of them were written by David. Uh, the other half were just written by unknown people, but were collected because of their significance to the nation of Israel. And here we have Psalm 38. It's a prayer unto God, and it details them in their struggle 
against their enemies. And so I want to start reading at verse 1. And I apologize. Usually I have the text behind me, but um, I wasn't able to get to it this week. So you're going to have to follow along with me the old-fashioned way, right, in your Bibles. Okay, Psalm 38. Oh God, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, O God. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have raised their heads. They, ra they lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against your treasured ones. They say, come let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. All right? This sounds an awful lot like last week. For they conspire with one accord against you, and they make a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, uh, Jebel and Ammon and Amalek, uh, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre, Ashur also has joined them. They are the strong arm of the children of Lot, Salah. Okay, so verses 1 through 8 act as a... Uh, a historical count of what was happening in Israel, that their enemies had gathered together to attack them, to wipe their name from the face of the earth. That, uh, that ambition and that goal still exists today. There are still people around the world that want to wipe Israel from the face of the planet. I am saddened that even here in America, there have been um, protests siding with the Palestinian side, wanting to eradicate Israel. It sickens me a little bit. And so this is Israel's response. This is their prayer in verse 9. And it comes from uh, a position of where they feel attacked. Now, when you feel attacked and you feel like all the all of the demons in hell are attacking you, how do you pray in response? You pray for God to eradicate your enemies, right? Annihilate them, God. And you, you, you pray with a, a little bit of, um, what, what is that? I don't want to say hatred, and I want to say vengeance, but a little bit of angst. There's a little bit of adrenaline flowing when you pray. And so this is true here in verse 9. Do to them as you did to Midian, as to Sisera and Jabin at the river Kishon. And, um, and uh, we talked about, I think I preached that, that passage on Mother's Day. You guys all remember Sisera? What happened to Sisera? Right? Tent stake through his head. Right? Nailed to the ground. Okay, sorry, that was a little graphic for Sunday morning. Oh, am I in... Am I not reading right? Psalm 38. Oh. Uh, no. Oh, uh, now guys, I'm showing my age here. Eighty-three. Dyslexic, right? Sometimes I fake dyslexia because I'm really just dumb. <laughs> 80, Psalm 83. Okay. Sorry, so we're now on the same page. 
83. Not 38. 38 is probably something about roses and something lovely, isn't it? Hey, that's okay. You know what? Um, my, uh, one of my first years as a youth pastor, we had this um, commencement service for uh, our graduating class there in town. And um, we weren't allowed to lead it. As youth pastors, we're allowed to organize it, but it has to be student-led. And so we had a passage of Scripture, um, and it was from the New Testament, and it was, um, it was out of, uh, like, Ephesians or something, and we gave it to one of the teenagers to read at commencement of, like, 3,000 people there. And they got it confused. Instead of reading from Ephesians, they read from, like... Um, I don't know, like Ecclesiastes or something, but basically the passage was about Saul going to the witch of Endor and, and asking for wisdom, and uh, we're like, well, that did not translate very well. <laughs> wisdom for graduates, right? Yeah, seek out the witch of Endor for wisdom, yeah. All right, where am I at? Psalm 83, for the record. Verse 9, this is their response. Do to them as you did to Midian, as to Sisera and Jabin at the river Kishon. And that's pretty graphic. Wipe them out, destroy them. Verse 10, who were destroyed at Endor, um, who became dung for the ground. That's one of my favorite verses, but I'm going to leave it alone. Uh, Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, all their princes like Zeba and uh, Zalmanah, who said, let us take possession for ourselves of the pastures of God. Oh my God, make them like the whirling dust, like chafe before the wind, as fire consumes the forest, as the flame sets the mountains ablaze, so, many, so may you pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your hurricane." Isn't that refreshing? Do you guys ever pray that way? God, let them see your hurricane. Right? Uh, some of you are like, yeah, I pray that way all the time. All right? <laughs> That's just who I am. Right? This is very fierceful rebuttal in their prayers. Verse 16, fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace. And so there is, there is the retaliation prayer, which uh, is pretty normal. That's pretty human to pray like that. God, let them see the fierceness of who you are. But what I really want to draw our attention to is verse 18. And this is really the last verse here, but it's the thesis of this. That they may know that you alone whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. And I think that that should be the goal of all of our prayers. This should be the goal of our prayers. When we go through struggles and we go through life and we go through, you know, we have enemies and um, we're praying against them and, you know, we, we wish that, you know, things would get hit with a Mack truck and all this stuff and we're just praying down God's wrath and God's hurricane this should rise to the forefront. God, our end game, our goal, is that the whole world knows you. We should pray that, not for the destruction of 
Hamas or Hezbollah. We should pray for their repentance. We should pray that they know God like we know God, that they see God. And if the whole world sees God and knows God like we know God, then peace would reign. And so today I thought, let's pray that prayer over both sides this morning. And we could stretch it to all of creation, I think. Would you bow your heads and pray with me real quick? Dear Heavenly Father, God, just thank you for today and thank you for your word. God, I just want to um, pray right now. Lord, I know there is war going on, and war is never pretty uh, for either side. War is ugly, and there's people that are, have been killed. There are families that are displaced. There are people on the run. There are people that have no security, no sense of, no sense of safety, that are living in fear, not knowing what tomorrow holds. Lord, I pray right now that in the midst of chaos, Lord, that your spirit would show up, and Lord, that this would be an event that draws people to you. Lord, that people would put their faith in you, the Most High God, and Lord, but there would be this repentant coming back to you and saying, God, you are the Most High God. You are the King. Lord, I pray that as this has a potential to spread, Lord, I pray against it um, in your name. Lord, I pray that this, uh, this would not stretch over into a bigger escalation. Lord, as Middle Eastern countries always seem to band together, Lord, I pray right now, God, that, Lord, that this wouldn't, there wouldn't be more casualties, that there wouldn't be more death, that there wouldn't be more affliction and more pain. Lord, I pray that the deep-rooted seat of hatred that lies within the heart of man, Lord, would be eradicated by your love. Lord, today, I pray that this would expand to the world. Lord, that the world would come to know you, that the world would come to see Jesus like we see Jesus. And I pray this in your name. Amen. 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 Uh, well, guys, um, I have 15 minutes left in our normal service hour. And I have a 15-point sermon. <laughs> what does the Spirit lead me to do at this moment? You know, I'm really chill today, if you haven't noticed. Usually I'm all worked up. For some reason, I'm really chill today. Uh, here's what I, here's, let, let's just, um, I'll, I'll give you the gist of it, and then I'll invite you back um, I'll invite you back next week as we dissect it. How about that? Uh, as we look to the end times, I want you to know the Bible, the Bible gives us clues. No man knows the day or the hour when the Lord will return. We do not know that. Uh, we can guess. We can write books that he's going to come back in 1988. Right? Right? Some of us are old enough to remember that. Uh, we, can re we can do all that. We can guess. We can speculate. But no man knows the hour. But what the Bible does give us is the Bible gives us clues and signs to watch for. And so I have prepared a 15, 15 signs to watch for. 
Um, and here's where I'm going with all of it, and I'll let you guys know this, that out of those 15, most of them are present and active in our world today. They are. There is nothing that has to happen in order for God to come back, Jesus to come back right now in this moment. Prophecy's been fulfilled. There's still a few things that, that are going to happen and they will happen, but they're not a prerequisite for Jesus to come back. He can come back. He could have came back yesterday. So you and I need to be anxious and, and be, uh, be expecting the return of the Lord to come back at any time. Live our lives that way. And, uh, and next week we'll talk a little bit more about it. But you and I do not have to fear end times. You, do no, you and I do not have to fear uh, what the world is coming to. Why? Because we have one that is greater than this world. Amen. And he's coming back for his church. Amen. That's good news. Hey, let's pray and then I'll dismiss you guys. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you for your word today. God, thank you that we were able to ingest this, Lord. And, and Lord, we just continue to pray for Israel as we go out from this place. Lord, I pray today that you would bless every person in this room, God, that we would feel your spirit in our lives. And Lord, that we would have this urgency to live out our faith in a way that knows that you are our soon and coming King. Lord, I pray that in the name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hey, God bless you guys today. Uh, hey, let's, uh, let's hang out and, and, and shake hands and fellowship a little bit before you guys go. But go in God's grace. God bless you guys. that we appreciate our pastor. Let me put my glasses on. Uh, maybe you sit down for this. Yeah. If you want to, you can sit down or you can stand up here and see the reaction. <laughs> Number 10, you will never catch him snoring during the service or prayer. <laughs> Number nine, he rarely misses a service. Number eight, he knows all the words and, and tunes to all of the songs. And we are appreciate he's not on the worship team. Number seven, he never complains the sermon is too long. Number six, <laughs> number six, he's the only one who can find Obadiah without looking in the index. Number five, he knows everyone's name without using the church directory. Number four. He remembers every prayer request, including your great uncle Tom's first cousin twice removed who has an oversized gallbladder, <laughs> which we, did, we never had that for a prayer request. I just, that was just made up. <clears throat> um, number three, he's able to turn mistakes into funny stories. Number two, he is as 
fiercely faithful to the church as he is to the Chicago Bears. <laughs> and number one is he proudly defends our church from those pesky crows. <laughs> <laughs> so we appreciate you. <laughs>